Well, the staff knows how concerned I was all week long about preaching this text. I don't know who turned this in. It's a passage in the Bible written for pastors. But I'm preaching it to lay people. I've preached this scripture lots of times uh, when I've been speaking to groups of pastors, but never in a local church to, as we like to call you all, the people in the pews. Um, This may be the most difficult sermon preparation I've had since I've been here at Centenary. I'll just preface this with that. Um, But I pray that that the Lord will just move in in all of our hearts as we we look at this important um, passage of Scripture. I want you to hear these statistics from Focus on the Family, from the Global Pastors Network. Just, Just listen to these. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month in the United States. This is all in the United States. 75% of pastors fight depression. 50% of pastors are so discouraged that they'd leave ministry if they could afford it. 80% of seminary and Bible school graduates who enter ministry leave within the first five years. About 75% of pastors' spouses feel that their spouse is overworked and they wish that their spouse would choose another profession other than being a pastor. Half of all pastors' marriages end in divorce. 80% of adult children of pastors surveyed have had to seek professional help for depression. Now you're probably thinking, thank you Jesus, I'm not a pastor. Or else you're thinking, well, what are they whining about? They only work an hour a week. What's going on? What's the problem? Now, the people who did this study obviously didn't talk to me or to our family. But let me ask you this. What do you think should be the role of a pastor in a local church? Would that pastor look more like a chaplain Or more like a spiritual CEO? Let me just share with you just some things that I've pulled off of my calendar for the last couple weeks. This isn't everything, just just a few things. Just so you can see how I spend my time, so you can see I don't work just an hour a week. I've been involved in staff administration done some hospital visits, I've had to make decisions about our building, I've dealt with computer server issues, and yes, our computer server went to be with Jesus this week, so pray with us. Yeah. I've planned to conduct funerals, not for the server, but may, who knows. I've done paperwork for the annual conference, I've written reference letters for various people, I've prepared to teach classes, and then I've taught the classes. I've served on an, on an ordination approval committee in the last couple of weeks. I've prepared sermons. I've socialized with city officials at a groundbreaking ceremony this past week. I've been looking for people to serve on church committees in 2016. I've listened to lots of comments and opinions about how the church should do things and how the church should not do things. That's a lot of different plates to keep spinning. But you know what? It's all a joy to me. Because the work is for God. 
It's a joy. In this letter that Jared read to us, Peter, is, Peter sent this letter not just to one church, but to a whole bunch of churches that they would circulate it in what's now modern Turkey. Those are the churches that received this, this letter. Peter spends some time in this letter describing what pastors should be doing and how churches should respond to those pastors. Now we need to understand that the idea of ordained ministry didn't come about for many years after Peter wrote this. They had no concept in the first generation of Christians about, you know, the ordained, the clergy versus laity, all of that. They didn't know that. They just believed that every Christian, if you were a follower of Jesus, you were in ministry. But some were appointed as the spiritual leaders to help organize things. So in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, Peter turns from addressing the general congregation to a group that he calls the elders. Now we first see this term, the elders, in the New Testament in Acts chapter 11, verse 30. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, refers to these elders as the leaders of the Jerusalem church. In Paul's letter uh, to Titus, chapter 1, verse 5, we, we see that churches appointed godly, gifted people to lead and guard and spiritually feed every local congregation. And those were the elders. Then in Hebrews 13, 17, we see these elders referred to again. This must have been a very common term for a leader in a local church. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your elders, your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they know they are accountable to God for it. Did you just catch what I just read? These elders were accountable to God for the souls of their flocks. So pastors aren't just accountable to God for our own souls but for the souls of the people in our care. That's a huge responsibility. That makes me quake just thinking about it. So when we look back at 1 Peter 5, Peter is referring to himself as a fellow elder, which means he was the leader of a local church. And it gives him credibility for what he's about to share in the letter. And this is what he tells these these church leaders, these pastors that we know them. Shepherd the flock God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, no whining, and not what you can get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Now notice here that these instructions to the elders don't refer to the pastor as working for the church. They were to guide and lead the flock, but they were to serve God. That's the tricky part of pastors and churches. This church compensates me very well, and I'm humbled and I'm thankful for it. But biblically, at least according to 1 Peter, I don't work for the local church, I work for God. Do you see the difference? Think about that. According to Peter, churches pay their pastors to work for God, not for them. That's a big difference. 
than if we say, you pay, or we pay your salary, you need to do what we tell you. I've never had to say this, but I'd probably say, sorry, you pay my compensation so that I can work for God. Big difference. Big difference. But it puts it all in perspective, I think, for us. I think one of the reasons why so many pastors find it difficult to stay in ministry, and one of the reasons for all of those horrible statistics that I started the sermon with, is the perception of pastors in society today. I mean, back in the 1960s, there, were, there was kind of a general rebellion in society against authority. And it stuck around. You know, got rid of authority in the home. There's a rebellion of authority in the workplace, in the government, and even in the church. Those of you who can remember, do you remember when Billy Graham would stand behind his big pulpit at those crusades, and he'd open up this 50-pound Bible? And he'd say, the Bible says, remember that? And when he said that, you paid attention. Why? Because it was in the Bible. Today, if I were to say to someone, well, the Bible says, they'd say, who cares? So what? The Bible doesn't have authority over me. I have authority over myself. People will say, I'm not going to allow a book that was written, I mean, how many years ago was that, to tell me how to live? That's where we are in our culture today. And that's why I think passages like 1 Peter 5 are so difficult for us to accept. How can pastors guide and lead when society dismisses their role? When a pastor says you should live a holy life, Well, that's just the pastor's opinion. That's hard for us. I asked earlier in the sermon, what do you think should be the role of the pastor in a church? A few years ago, I had a doctoral student working on a dissertation, and he focused on that question. So he interviewed a bunch of church members, not in his church, but, but, but in others. What should be the role of your pastor? What should your pastor's primary role in the church be? And here are some of the responses. Our pastor should keep everybody happy and keep things running smoothly. Another person said, I want our pastor to be popular in the community. Another person said that the primary role of their pastor was to be, as we shared earlier, a chaplain to the congregation. Another one said, bring in as many people and as much money as possible. That's the primary role of the pastor. Well, if we look at 1 Peter, and knowing Peter's experiences with Jesus like we do, after all, he was one of Jesus' disciples, wasn't he? It's pretty clear, I think, how Peter would answer that question. What's the primary role of the pastor? If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to John chapter 21, verse 17. I think you all remember this story. Jesus has risen from the dead. He just cooked the disciples breakfast on the beach. And he pulls Peter aside. And three times Jesus asks Peter, Do you love me? And three times, Peter replies, and he gets pretty frustrated. Lord, you know I love you. 
So what does Jesus reply to him? Then feed my sheep. The primary task of the spiritual shepherd or the elder, according to Jesus himself, is to teach and strengthen the sheep with solid spiritual food. That's the role. That's the role of the pastor. But the sheep have to be willing to eat even when the pastor's not around. Back in 1 Peter 5, Peter gets to the bottom line of all of this. And it's at the end of verse 5. He says, serve each other in humility. It's easy for pastors. It really is easy for pastors and for others in positions of leadership in the church to want to dominate and control people simply because they have the power. That's sinful pride. That's, not what, that's the opposite of what Peter's talking about here. Listen, there are leaders in this church who are not ordained, but you all are spiritual leaders nevertheless. And I hope you claim that title because you are. I have such a deep respect for so many of you. And your words from God are words that I need to hear. But listen, when somebody's in the hospital, when someone's in need of care, the whole community of faith should surround them, not just the pastor. We saw this recently a few weeks ago when a member of our church was in the hospital dying and his Sunday school class just came to life and completely surrounded both he and his wife and the extended family as the body of Christ. I knew I didn't have to be there the whole time because they were there. That is the church being the church. And that happened right here at Centenary. Now, the true, I mean, from time to time, I'm the one who has to make tough decisions based on prayerful discernment and all the information that I have at the time. Listen, I know since I've been here, not all these decisions are popular. But somebody's got to make them. You know, in a lot of ways, churches our size really need to run like a small business, don't we? I mean, we, we really do. With all the staff we have and government regulations we have to follow and insurance, property management. I mean, as the pastor, I have to make decisions that are best for the congregation, even if they're tough. I was thinking this week, it would be so much easier if Centenary could be a church like one of the first century churches and just meet in homes. Maybe then, without all of this other stuff to worry about, the pastor could be more spiritual feeding rather than all the administrative oversight that a lot of pastors have to do today. Now listen, I don't want to whine. I hope you all see that. Being a pastor is a joy. It's a privilege. It's a joy. I mean, pastors are honored to be with people in some of the most significant moments in their lives. We're privileged to be able to teach and preach the good news of Jesus. We're blessed by being called by God to do this. 
I tell first-year seminary students in my classes that, that if they can see themselves doing anything else with their lives, go right now and leave and go do it. And I bless them in it. See, being a pastor is about a call that God has on our lives. It's not necessarily what we thought we'd end up doing. But we've answered this call from God and we can't do anything else. I mean, who knows? I'm looking out here at all of your wonderful faces. Maybe someone here today is sensing a call from God to pastoral ministry. Who knows? In January, I'm teaching a class on Asbury's Orlando campus, and down there, it's primarily second career people, not youngins fresh out of undergrad. It's folks that are later in life, second career folks. See, you're, you're never too late. You're, I mean, you're never too old to hear the call of God in your life. Is God calling you to be a pastor? I mean, I'll be bold and just ask it. Only you know. Because only God will reach out to you and call you. And how you know that happens, I can't describe. You just know. I was 10 years old when I heard God calling me to be a pastor. 10 years old. But I've known other folks who were 40 or 50 when they finally gave in to God's nudging. David Terry's one of them. He was a small business owner for many years, and God called him into ministry later in life. Don't dismiss what God might be calling you to do with your life. Being a pastor can be stressful. It can be exhausting. It could also be exhilarating and joyful all, all at the same time. I think I can speak for Jared when I say that this congregation is a blessing beyond description. I hope you know that. It's an honor to serve as your pastor. Truly an honor. I was, I was back in Wilmore to do a funeral for a retired pastor yesterday and saw some folks from the Wilmore church and they said, are you ever going to come back here? And I, and I thought uh, for a second and I said, uh, no. <laughs> God's called us here. And what a beautiful church we are. And as we serve God together, together, that's the way Peter is describing this. The role of the church is not just the role of the pastor, it's the church. May we do it with grace and humility and service and all for the glory of God. We don't want to bring glory to this place or to this church. Everything we do is for the glory of God. You see, a church is only as great as its servant-natured, as the servant-natured humility of its leaders who are sold out for Jesus. May that always be the case here at Centenary. As we work together to achieve what God wants us to achieve in this community, to be the people that God wants us to be here. Let's pray.